0: Welcome to Feminist Question Time. It's brought to you by Women's Human Rights Campaign, which is the leading global organisation defending women's sex-based rights against the threats posed by gender identity ideology. We have a declaration on women's sex-based rights, which has been signed by 19,505 people from 138 countries, and it's supported by 370 organisations. If you'd like to get involved... Have a look on the website, womensdeclaration.com, and fill in the volunteering form. That would be fantastic. We've got a statement on Afghanistan on our country contact page, uh, the page that says Afghanistan, so have a look at that if you would like to. Now, this week, I'm really pleased to say we have Borbala Juhas from Hungary. She's a feminist, women's historian, gender policy expert. We have Rochelle Dean from the Bahamas. Andrea from Mexico, Dee from the USA, and Anna Hildalgo from Spain. Bobala is from Hungary. She's a feminist women's historian and gender policy expert. And uh, Bobala, you're going to tell us, give us a presentation about how transgenderism and LGBT issues have taken a major role in the elections in Hungary.
1: The title of my presentation is the nation versus LGBTQ, LGBTQ versus the nation, Hungary versus Europe, Europe versus Hungary, child protection or homophobia, a new political campaign in Hungary. And as Joe mentioned, we have to be in solidarity now for Afghan girls and women. This is the famous 1985 picture of the National Geographic of Sharbat Gula. And why I mentioned this, because I think what I'm going to talk about is a whole political farce on both sides, both the conservative side and the so-called progressive, liberal and left-wing side. And uh, we are really losing track of what is really mattering. What are the dangers to women's rights of what I'm going to uh, speak about now? Some of them will be funny, some of them will not be funny. Uh, These are statements that I will not be able to prove uh, for lack of time. But I think if the LGBTIQ rights are seen as indivisible, as in this big one group and inherent for liberal democracy with no space for debate, If feminism, LGBTIQ rights and left-wing liberal and green politics is seen as a trio by the conservative side with no space for debate, if feminism and LGBTQ rights are incorporated into corporate business culture without classic workers' rights for mothers and parents, And if journalism is dictated only by fashion principles, morality and ideology, and less by facts and investigation and giving voice to people, then both women's rights and LGBTIQ rights are in danger in the long run. That's what I think, and I hope I try to prove that with the case of this small country, Hungary. So, dear children, today I'm going to tell you a fairy tale. In the fairy tale, we'll be listening about Pegasus and unicorns and babies, children and emojis and the small country uh, and celebrations and holidays. And also, I'm going to talk about Orbán Viktor. Viktor Orbán, who is the Hungarian Prime Minister now. He's from the party called Fidesz. On the left-hand side, you can see him in 1989 when the transition happened from socialism to capitalism. Uh, He was a young man. He's only a few years older than me. And on the right-hand side, you can see the same person leaving on the um, uh, government plane for a football event because he is a great football fan and written on the... uh, football uh, apparatus, you can see uh, Hungary. And in June uh, in 2021 in Brussels, on the pretext of the child protection law, which I'm going to explain, Orbán said the following, I'm happy to tell them, that is the politicians in Brussels, that there is no law of any kind relating to homosexuality. This law is not about that. This law is about the education of children, their education regarding any sexual content. It is the duty of the parents to decide how their children become acquainted with issues related to sexuality. At the same time, it is the duty of the state to create the conditions which enable parents to meaningfully exercise these rights of theirs. This is a law about the protection of children and parents. I am a committed defender of rights. I was a freedom fighter during communism when homosexuality was a punishable offense. I fought for freedom and rights, which means that I also fought for the rights of homosexuals said Orban in Brussels in June. The foundation of general elections under the Orbán governments uh, are usually huge uh, public relations campaigns. The first one was about the Hungarian philanthropic and billionaire Hungarian origin. He's an American citizen now, George Soros, uh, and the NGOs, including my workplace, the Hungarian women's lobby. The second was uh, during the 2015-16 refugee crisis about migrants. And right now, this is the LGBTQI community. These are the topics we are going to have general elections next year in 2022. So how the LGBTQ uh, topic uh, became uh, the focus. Last year, first in the infamous section 33 uh, of a mixed uh, act, uh, they banned the legal gender recognition of people through that the Hungarian IDs must contain sex at birth, and this cannot be changed. So the sex, uh, the birth sex must be at the ID for all times. This also is reflected what kind of first name you can choose because in Hungary, you cannot just choose any kind of first name, just names on a certain list. Also an attack on an LGBTQ sensitivizing fairy tale collection, ensued. You can see the uh, book on the right-hand side. This was published by the Labris Lesbian Association by my very good friends. And the title goes, Fairyland is for Everyone. It's going to be translated into many languages. Very uh, serious uh, extreme right-wing attacks happened against the, uh, uh, the book. But this was only the start of a great a coordinated government attack on uh, LGBTQI uh, rights. The the fundamental law of Hungary, the so-called constitution, was also changed by allowing adoption of children only by married couples who by Hungarian law cannot be uh, homosexual couples. the minister can give a special ministerial exception for single people, single men or women to adopt, but we don't really know how this is going to work in uh, uh, in, in practice for the future. This year, uh, upon a request, the Consumers Protection Office ruled that on children's book that contain non-traditional gender roles a warning must be placed so this particular book that you can see on the right hand side now if you go to a hungarian bookshop is covered in a little sticker saying this book contains non-traditional gender roles and the big boom about which orban uh, i quoted orban a few mi- minutes ago was the child protection act uh, which was introduced in june came into effect in July. Originally, this was an act uh, against pedophiles and uh, sexual abuse of children, but with a few amendments, uh, this uh, also aimed at the LGBTQ community. Bear with me, I'm going to uh, quote from this law. At the same time, the government uh, uh, announced that they are going to hold a child protection referendum uh, connected to this child protection act because Hungary became under heavy attack on transgender questions uh, for the next year, a few weeks or months before the elections, we don't really know the exact date of this referendum. This is going to be actually the eighth uh, referendum in, in, in Hungary since the changes in 1989, usually an idea by this Fidesz government. At the same time, a national consultation was held in uh, July and August, just finished two days ago, on what kind of life Hungarians imagine after COVID. And question number nine, which I'm going to quote, was again about transgender children. This national consultation is an idea of Fides. They uh, have, held, uh, have it on different topics. They send by post uh, paper letters, direct mail to every Hungarian citizen. But you can also fill these questionnaires out online. And uh, apparently more than 1 million Hungarian people applied to this national consultation. Uh, the results are not yet known. We are a 9.7 million country. This national consultation was heavily advertised, is being heavily advertised by a very funny emoji campaign, uh, really catering for, for people who cannot even read but can understand emojis. And at the same time, a massive concentrated media campaign about transgender children, drag queens, uh, sexual orientation and gender identity, uh, sexual reproductive health and rights, school education uh, in the West uh, is uh, spreading everywhere in the conservative press. And what is going on in the liberal press, I will tell you soon. Uh, I uh, highlighted uh, the English translation of the actual parts of this Child Protection Act uh, that uh, came under heavy fire. I really doubt ma- that many politicians in the EU or in the West have actually read this very, very long uh, act, very long law. But most of that is really aimed at uh, a special pedophile register, which parents who have children under 18 can uh, reach uh, online, which uh, this also exists in other in other countries. So the Shell's Uh, The state shall protect the rights of children to self-identity according to their sex at birth. So this expression, sex at birth, comes back again and again in the text. Then the next one. It shall be prohibited to make pornographic content or content available to children under the age of 18 that depicts sexuality for its own sake or promotes or displays deviation from the identity of the sex of birth gender reassignment or homosexuality. So this long epitaph is always uh, repeated again and again. The same uh, is about advertisement. Then the next part about media services, a program which is likely to have an adverse effect on the physical, mental, or moral development of minors, in particular by having as its dominant element the promotional presentation of violence, gender nonconformity, gender reassignment, homosexuality, or the direct, natural, or self-serving depiction of sexuality shall be classified in category V. This means that this is not for people under 18. And it goes uh, on uh, about the media. And finally, the state shall protect the institution of family and marriage also because of their intrinsic dignity and value with particular regard to the parent-child relationship in which mother is a woman and father is a man. This actually was introduced into the Hungarian constitution last year. This woman is a, uh, the mother is a woman and the father is a man the protection of elderly family relations and the right of children to self identity in accordance with their sex. And it's prohibited to make pornographic content And finally, which really uh, uh, endangers many feminist uh, education as well in school, is that uh, in a school, in an educational institution, only teachers who are employed by that school or the professional school nurse is allowed to give any kind of sensitivizing lecture. Other people about activities related to sexual culture, sex life, sexual orientation, sexual development, the harmful effects of drug use, the dangers of the internet, and other physical and mental health promotion, can only, including sexual education, can only be taught by a, re- by a group or NGO or people who are registered by a body designated by law. This hasn't been set up yet. What are the planned five children's rights referendum questions? Do you support the provision of sexual orientation classes for underage children in public education institutions without parental consent? Do you support the promotion of sex reassignment therapy for young children? Do you support the availability of sex reassignment therapy for underage children? Do you support the unrestricted exposure of underage children to developmentally sensitive sexual media content? Do you support the showing of sex change media content to minors? The national consultation that finished two days ago, uh, there were 14 questions on different topics uh, from really different topics from from social life to George Soros to migrants. And question nine was the following. Organizations funded by George Soros have launched a wide-ranging international attack on Hungary over its child protection law. This law prohibits sexual propaganda against children in kindergarten schools and the media accessible to children. What do you think? A. It is right that the law restricts sexual propaganda for children. B, sexual propaganda aimed at children does not pose a risk, so it is unnecessary to ban it. This national consultation was backed by this emoji campaign. The text that is relevant to our topics reads, Do you fear for your child from sexual propaganda? That's the third little emoji who is very angry. What were the European developments at the same time? Last year, a new EU LGBTQ strategy was introduced. I'm not going to read out all of this, but I think it's very important that uh, Fidesz, um, Came up with this uh, campaign strategy at the same time when the EU introduced the, this LGBTQ strategy, about which, of course, they, they had, had the knowledge. And this year, just a few months ago, a European Parliament report on the situation of sexual and reproductive health and rights in the EU in the frame of women's health by a Slovenian rapporteur, Predrag Matic, the so called Matic report, was uh, introduced. And thirdly, last but not least, an invasive Pegasus spyware scandal uh, was all over Europe, including Hungary, where the state most probably uh, used this uh, Israeli spyware to spy on journalists, media owners, and politicians. They were among the targets whose mobile phones uh, were uh, attacked. What is the national international reactions to Orbán's LGBTQ campaign? The first interpretation is the following. This is a homophobic attack. Homophobic, Nazi, fascist, terrible, anti-democratic. The second, the other interpretation, this is absurd. They are stupid. Nobody is going to change the uh, sex of children. They just come up with this. This doesn't make any sense. This is believed by the opposition in Hungary. Or this is only a diversion from the Pegasus scandal. They should resign. This is terrible that they they spy uh, on uh, other politicians and and, and journalists. The second interpretation used by uh, much fewer people is that this is only an election trick to divide the United opposition. Due to the very special uh, voting laws of Hungary, uh, because Fidesz has a two third majority. The only way to beat Fidesz next year is that the opposition totally unites for the election from the extreme right wing to the extreme liberal and the green ones, they should just you know, put one candidate against the Fidesz candidate. And uh, this uh, question, uh, this uh, transgender children question really did divide the opposition. So if it was a trick, it was uh, very successful. What was the international uh, reaction? A massive attack on Hungary. They just call this uh, child protection law homophobic law. If you uh, you know do a search on the internet, it's just called a homophobic law. A rule of law procedure, a special EU procedure was put forward, but we don't know whether it can be done or not. And uh, Hungary was also threatened that uh, funds will be curbed available for Hungary. And both the national and both the international um, arena on the media, pro-LGBTQ content is coming out every single day. It's mostly about transgender people, mostly about actually transgender teenagers and the liberal and the... uh, oppositional media, the corporate, big corporate uh, uh, businesses, and also sports campaign are full of this homophobic law, and they, uh, they are saying that this is terrible, and uh, usually they, uh, there are very um, emotional interviews with transgender people. I, again, not going to quote what the EU's leader, uh, von der Leyen or Vera Jourova, the first one is the head of the European Commission, the other is the vice chair of the European Commission said, but they, they really attacked Hungary that this is against the fundamental values of human dignity, equality, and human fundamental rights, and so on. Very interesting symbolic statements also happened in sports. Uh, in this summer, we had the European Football Cup. On the right-hand side, you see a plan, this actually was not carried out, but a plan that the Munich Stadium is going to be colored in rainbow colors. Uh, the Actually, the mayor of Munich, Dieter Reiter's idea was that it should be colored, but the UEFA, the uh, Football Association, did not allow this coloring, but the whole of Munich was colored uh, Uh, these um, colors when the Hungarian-German match happened in Munich. On the right hand side, you see the Hungarian answer, Hungarian national colors, the red, white, and green were to be seen on the Hungarian uh, football arena, one of the biggest Budapest Hungarian football arenas. I think it's very, very symbolic how the national identity and this LGBTQ identity as a kind of Uh, European identity are clashing. At the end of July, we have the Hungaroring. It's a car racing event where the German driver Vettel came in in sneakers, again, with the rainbow colors. And this was by the communication officer of uh, the German German team. So sports people wanted to express their uh, anger at the so-called homophobic law of Hungary. And the massive media campaign, which already started last year, uh, uh, organized originally by an LGBTQ NGO, Family is Family. It's a very positive, good media campaign, but very often now it's rather about transgender children and the German-owned commercial television, the RTL, which is one of the... uh, of the two uh, oppositional um, uh, media outlets in Hungary. This is one of them. And again, they they run a lot of content uh, on this question. This fight of symbols and identities reached its highest point in uh, the summer in in Hungary, a kind of LGBTQ and national ethnic uh, division was to be seen. On the right-hand side, you see the picture from the Budapest Pride this summer. There were seven speakers at the end of the event, three of them were transgender, one was a child, a teenager under 18, a girl who identifies as a trans boy. On the right-hand side, you see the national holiday of the 20th of August in Budapest, which celebrates the foundation of the Hungarian Christian state. This uh, golden uh, guy is Saint Stephen, who was elected, uh, who was became a saint in 1083. So it's a very, very old uh, holiday, and it became a national holiday in the not just a church holiday, but a national holiday in the 18th century. On the pride on the left-hand side. Uh, It was the biggest Pride uh, ever held in Hungary, more than 10,000 people attended and all Western ambassadors, all the oppositional future uh, Prime Minister candidates uh, went there, were walking in the first row. It was really a political stance whether you go or you don't go to this uh, Pride event. Uh, Vladimir Luxuria, who is an Italian member of European Parliament, she was the first transgender politician in the European Parliament, Uh, also gave a speech at the Pride, and on the right hand side we can see Orbán cutting the first bread, it's a traditional Hungarian custom because this is also the end of harvesting, uh, grain harvesting on the 20th of August. Again, you can see this clashing of national identity and LGBTIQ identity entity.
0: So thank you so much Rochelle Dean. Rochelle Dean is from the Bahamas, she's Country Contact for Women's Human Rights Campaign. Uh, please update us about your work for Women's Human Rights Campaign in the Bahamas, including how you've been promoting the declaration using CEDAW um, as the basis of the argument to support sex-based rights. So I am
2: Country Contact for the Bahamas chapter and um, i've been specifically working to disseminate the information um relative to the women's human rights campaign bringing some clarity to the narrative as it relates to what's going on with um, our sisters all over the world Mm the Palm chapter is currently focused on presenting the women's human rights campaign declaration to the country as we fully integrate into a caribbean presence so our strategic focus has been the declaration itself and um, specific articles, which are to reaffirm women's rights to freedom of opinion and expression, peaceful assembly and association and political participation, um, reaffirming women's rights to fair play in sports, reaffirming the need to end violence against women and girls and to protect the rights of children. And of course, we oppose all forms of discrimination against women and girls that results from replacing sex with gender identity in law, policy, and social practice. As it relates to the convention on the elimination of discrimination against women, the CEDAW convention itself provides the basis for realizing equality between women and men through ensuring women's equal access to and equal opportunities in political and public life. This specifically speaks to um, our country, our nation, and what um, our, our laws stand for including, and so this includes the right to vote and to stand for election, as well as education, health, and employment. States parties agree to take all appropriate measures, including legislation and temporary special measures so that women can enjoy all their human rights and fundamental freedoms. The basis of our activism is the CEDAW convention, which drives our ability to collect qualitative and quantitative, and quantitative evidence that drives proper policy development and analysis for women in the Caribbean that can finally be used in gathering empirical data for matters that impact women. So Article 5 of, the CEDAW, of CEDAW states that state parties shall take all appropriate measures to modify the social and cultural patterns of conduct of men and women with a view to achieving the elimination of prejudices and customary and all other practices which are based on the idea of the inferiority or the superiority of either of the sexes or on stereotyped rules for men and women. So we know for a fact that one of the things that we're very, very focused on is making sure that both sexes are equal. And so in doing that, we are women setting the record straight for women. We want to disseminate accurate information that promotes the WHRC declaration that defines who we are as women as defined in the CEDAW convention. We also aim to defend the idea that we are now challenged by an ideology that has been conflated within the characteristics and rights that we wish to preserve and protect and also takes away from what the initial purpose of CEDAW outlines and what that convention proposed to uphold for women in society, which is equality of the sexes and not the genders. And so that brings us to sex, gender, and equality and duality. So gender gender is the range of characteristics pertaining to, and differentiating between femininity and masculinity. Depending on the context, this may include sex based social structures, for example, gender roles and gender identity. And most scholars agree that gender is a central characteristic for social organization. So most cultures use a gender binary having two genders, boys or men, and girls and women. Equality represents only two values in order order for equivalence or value equality to exist by two variables to those who believe in the concept. So without duality, there is no value. Women are biased, which is a fundamental human right that we received at birth. And we should not be made to feel indignant or discriminated against. By, our by an unnatural unfair advantage. We have a right to say that this is unfair. And so it is a fundamental human right. There is no way that anybody can say that we are discriminating against anybody for, again, exercising our human rights to say that we disagree with these, the gender ideology. CEDAW committee recommendations for the Bahamas does actually include gender ideology and the elimination of discrimination for transgender women to advance gender equality. However, the Bahamas government opposes these recommendations as proposed by the CEDAW Committee and the United Nations Human Rights Council, stating that the country identifies with conservative Christian values that are the basis of social norms within the society at large and the country. So what's happening is we have a social, we have recommendations by the CEDAW Committee but again, there's also the social opposition and that is 100% supported by the government. And so if we know anything about du- dualism, dualism donates the state of two parts. The term dualism was originally coined to, den- to, to, donate, to denote, I'm sorry, co-eternal binary opposition, a meaning that is preserved in metaphysical and philosophical duality discourse, but has been more generalized in other usages to indicate a system which contains two essential parts. The moral dualism is the belief of the great complement or conflict between the benevolent and the malvolent. It simply implies that there are always two moral opposites at work, independent of any interpretation of what might be moral and independent of how these may be represented. Dualism drives equality, and equality means everyone should receive the same treatment, which is the basis of human rights. As it stands, gender equality and anything um, that supports that ideology does not promote equality. Actually, it proves to abolish equality and dualism. So we are working avidly in in this chapter to have discussions with um, specific organizations like the Rotary Club of Nassau on Women's Rights in the Bahamas, as well as we continue to um, advocate with the um, CEDAW committee expert in the Bahamas, Marion Sears, um, and to you know present our concerns that impact policy for women in the Bahamas, specifically gender ideology, and also to have our voices heard so that people can know that um, WHRC does not support that ideology and that it actually does um, um, infringe on the rights of women and it actually does impact um, specific um, um, charters or, or sections and articles of CEDAW that speak to equality of the sexes, which are two, and not, um, and, and and in opposition that does, uh, gender ide- ideology does impact um, women and men um, in that instant. And that's something that we are working um, very hard to make sure that we want to um, um, allow the CEDAW committee to know that we're very concerned about that that this does impact the CEDAW convention within itself. It, it impacts the basis of human rights. And so it is just um, something that we have to continue to advocate for. And so we continue to have those discussions and we continue to disseminate that information so people can know that duality um, is actually equality. And if we are going to um, speak about equality, there has to be a level of inferiority because that's what we are advocating for equality. And so. What that means is that CEDAW set out in its convention that one of the sexes has always been inferior, which was women. And so the the challenge with CEDAW was that we are fighting for the equality of women and men. And so gender ideology is just a distraction and something that um, actually has no basis. The basis of it actually is to abolish physics and metaphysics, which is yin and yang. And you know, it, it really produces nothingness. And so that's really the the our focus right now, making sure that people have that understanding so that there is no confusion as to um, what we present, what we are talking about, and the fact that in order for the basis of CEDAW to continue to have um, its standing and to continue to advocate and, and produce the outcomes that we want for women, we have to set the record straight, particularly for some of the things that, gender ideology um, actually does to the CDOC convention. And it does um, um, diminish, um, if not many of the articles, it actually seeks to abolish it. And so um, you can contact um, BahamasWomen'sDeclaration.org to discuss if you would like to assist the Bahamas chapter or discuss further um, things that we can actually present to um, our our CDOC com- um, um, expert committee expert um, as we continue to advocate. Please do reach out to me. The absurdity of gender ideology cannot be justified um, with CEDAW and um, I think we need to remember that when we are advocating for ourselves as women. um, There there is no basis to gender ideology. It all boils down to it being nothingness and so therefore um, you know and I think I've reiterated this and I've said this from the beginning Joe that there is no basis for it and so Um, and I've, I've thought about it and, uh, you know, I still can't find any means of why this is being included into anything.
0: We're going to hear from Dee uh, in United States of America. She's a ROGD mom.
3: I um, am the mother of two beautiful girls. We adopted them from China and uh, one is 12 and the other 17. Um, a little over two years ago in June of 2019, my, what I thought was a very happy 17 year old boy crazy girl uh, came out of the dinner table as bisexual. Um, and then two months later, she said she was gay and just a week or two later claimed to be trans. Um, against this backdrop, she had come into a friendship with a very uh, gender nonconforming girl Um, And that's turns out that's the child that took my daughter down the proverbial rabbit hole. By way of background, when we adopted her in China, she was 13 months old. She weighed only 15 pounds. She could not crawl or hold a bottle. We thought perhaps her arm was broken or there was some disability. Um, But in 11 days, she gained her strength and was able to hold the bottle. When we brought her home, I took her to a specialist in New York who examined her and diagnosed her as a failure-to-thrive baby. She said, we got the baby just in time. Um, I knew that the orphanage was not the best, but I had no idea how bad it really was. It was so bad, we were not allowed to see it. And that's unusual when you're adopting in China. Over the next few years, as uh, she grew, she experienced extensive night terrors and some horrific flashbacks. And the flashbacks were so profound that At one point, she couldn't sleep in her bedroom for three months. She had to sleep on the floor by our bed. Um, When she was eight years old, she took me aside to tell me that she knew we loved her and she loved us, but there was a piece of her heart missing and she needed to know who she was. Um, She seemed to be relatively happy through the, the middle school, grammar school years. High school was a big change because she went from a very small Christian school to a large public high school. And for me, this was quite an experiment because I had 19 years of a Catholic education, which I survived, um, but I was not familiar with the public schools or how they were run. So once she came out as trans, she began to experience extraordinary panic attacks. So we we went to a therapist in September of 2019. um, And by the fourth visit, that therapist demanded that I take her to the suicide unit because she was having suicidal ideation. What I found, when I I reflect back, my child was happy until she declared herself to be a boy. So they released her the next day. Um, The plan she had was to drown herself. But if you don't do it with drugs or alcohol, it's a plan that's doomed to fail. Um, The psychiatrist I met with upon discharge told me that this was clearly related to her adoptee status, that she was in an extraordinary identity crisis. Um, We fired that therapist and went to another one unbeknownst to us, that therapist was going to use the child's male name and her male pronouns. Um, and by the end of December, beginning of January 2020, I realized this, help, this therapy was not helping. I hacked into my daughter's iPhone and was stunned and shocked uh, and profoundly disturbed by what I saw, that so-called friend of hers. Um, in 300 screenshots, was sharing lesbian pornography with her. Um, She was characterizing my daughter uh, by lesbian sexually dominant positions. Um, My daughter was making up stuff about me, like I forced her to wear dresses, I forced her to wear corsets, I forced her to wear pink, none of which was true. But the child came back with, uh, she decided to diagnose me as textbook abusive, gaslighter, trauma bonder, and a lot of expletives deleted and highly recommended that my husband divorced me and take the children away from me. This is a 15-year-old, by the way. Um, so I you know, I was shocked and stunned, and it really profoundly impacted my relationship with my child. It, was, it, it really was toxic. I couldn't even look at her. I was so angry, and I felt like I had been stabbed. She did nothing to defend me. And then the girl also mentioned that all of her friends' mothers had a safe house for her. I met with that kid's mother, and it turns out the mother was under the clear impression that We lived in an abusive home, which was frightening for me because I was applying for a position that I would not have gotten if social services had decided to investigate me, whether I was cleared or not, Um, which is why I'm not appearing with my face because it can affect your ability to get a job. In any event, we then fired uh, the second therapist. It wasn't working. We hired another one that we had to fire after the first visit because she used the male name when we asked her not to. And it was then in March of 2020. Now, it took me six months to figure out what was going on. And I've got a legal background. But Google did not want me to learn about rapid onset gender dysphoria. It really made a concerted effort to block me. Google realmente estaba haciendo un esfuerzo para bloquearme. Yeah. And so um, I I met, I found Lisa, and I found Sasha Ayad. I had a consult with her and um, at that point I had found a psychologist who specialized in body dysmorphia and anorexia and Sasha said she thought that would be a good fit and it has been a good fit. Um, The woman confirmed for me last year last month that my daughter is not a transgender um, that she suffers well she suffers from pre-adoption trauma no surprise there okay and what I also learned last year in a webinar sponsored by the Netherlands is that the first wave of girls coming out as boys were Chinese adoptees. I contacted our adoption agency and I said, is any other mother with her hair on fire calling you to say, you know, this is what's going on? He said, no, but we've had a number of our adoptees transition. Um, And the second wave in the Netherlands were girls on the autism spectrum. And I believe that this friend of my daughter's is on the spectrum and her mother believes that too. This is a cult, women, ladies, it's a cult. Um, There's a great book. It's called Desist, Detrans, and Detox by Maria Keffler of the Partners for the Ethical Coalition. The mother that I met with said, I know it's a cult because I was in a cult. She herself had been in an evangelical cult. Um, She got herself out of it, but they basically married her off to her husband. She really didn't have much of a choice in that, but she got herself out of it. So she is committed to getting her daughter out of the cult as well. Um, We are still working with the psychologist Uh, my child has a fear of growing up. She doesn't, you know, can't think about going to college. It's overwhelming. And so we've made baby steps in progress. I can tell you that cognitive behavioral therapy has worked and um, this is a marathon. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, I found out that she's been following a quote unquote gender surgeon on TikTok. This is a plastic surgeon. Who uses TikTok and Instagram and Facebook to glamorize mastectomies of healthy breasts, promotes them as life-changing, happy. It, I can make you, it, you know, happy overnight with pictures of patients with their scarred chests, you know, right there for children to see. And I know from studying it that children under 13 are even looking at these videos. So, this is a war on women. This is absolutely a war on women. It's trying to erase us. And I know it's happening to boys as well, but girls, I think there's been a 4,400% increase in girls identifying as boys in the past 10 years. So I am hoping that love carries the day in our house. Um, I, my daughter's still firmly entrenched in the ideology. Um, from a personality standpoint, she's a compassionate, uh, you know, empathic individual and um, but she she's not a leader she's a follower, and I think that's how she got down the rabbit hole so quickly. So I pray every day. I I, I I'm not a religious woman, but I do have some faith, and um, I just hope that you know as she grows up. Uh, but I fear her turning 18 because then I really lose all control and authority under the law. The kid can run out to Planned Parenthood uh, and get her testosterone fix if you will. And that's another issue I have with Planned Parenthood. I was a supporter of women's reproductive health rights, but I wrote them a letter saying, this is not a reproductive health right. You are are sterilizing women. You're returning to your eugenic roots. And so I can no longer support. And in fact, they're making more money off testosterone than any other health service that they provide. So this is the anti-reproductive health as far as I'm concerned. So thank you for for giving me this opportunity. I am not alone. I I belong to a group of women who are going through this. And I also um, am very uh, heartened by the launch of a website called genspect.org. They are doing wonderful work advocating for parents like us who have to, you know, withstand comments such as you're a homophobe, you're a transphobe. Uh, The school, I had to run to the school and run interference. They were using the male name, the male pronouns. I have to do it with the driver's ed instructor. I have to do it with any adult that um, she encounters to say to them, please do not use the male name because you're making it more difficult for her to dial it back when the time comes. I can't control what the kids say. I can't control what the cousins do. Um, I have family members that I think are opposed to the way I'm raising my child. Uh, the way, my husband and I are raising our child. And it, it really, you feel like you're under siege 24 seven. It's a very difficult situation. I love this child. When they placed her in my arms, it was one of the happiest days of my life. And I see this ideology just ripping her out of the family. It's destroying families, you know, and the impact on the younger one in the house can't be underestimated either. So this is, um, this is warfare. This is warfare. And I'm, I'm grateful to women like you that are that are on the front lines, um, battling because we've got we worked so hard to get to where we are today, and we still have a long way to go. So thank you.
0: Anna's from Do Fem Co. She's going to tell us about that organisation. Please tell us about your organisation, why and when it was formed, how have the trans laws in Spain affected children and young people, and how have you reacted? to these laws.
4: Okay, so the title is DoFENCO, an overview. And first of all, I'm going to explain you a little bit how uh, the situation is in Spain, um, dealing with the regional trans protocols in schools. So they have been passed since 2014 in 14 of the 17 regions we have in Spain. In them, it is said things that are going to be very familiar to you because this is international. But anyway, uh, they say things such as, uh, you can be born in the wrong body, trans rights and human rights. These policies are needed to stop the suffering. Um, and They are also um, penetrated uh, with uh, this new language, gender fluid, non-binary, transgender, assigned name, you know. And it is very, very, very worrying that there is a list of transactivist associations in these protocols as reference for LGTB plus educational guides and workshops for teachers and students. These protocols say that the school has to provide training to all the educational community. Teachers, we must learn how to identify, affirm, and accompany trans kids. And we call it, gender critical teachers, we call this function as being a gender police officer. But in fact, as Dee explained, teachers, we can even open a child abuse investigation when families oppose. Moreover, we have to include gender ideology in the syllabus of all of our subjects. As well, avoid sex segregated activities and tasks. We have to foster the student's social transition in the school, uh, calling them by their felt names, also changing the name in the class listing, and they can use the toilets, the locker rooms, or they can enroll in the sports they feel they belong to. And uh, the school has also to adapt facilities and avoid sex segregated spaces. This is also in the protocols, but as well um, trans uh, trans activist associations, such as Crisalis, the one you have there, the picture, uh, they make guides for teachers in case we don't read the law. We have those guides explaining all this in detail. As for the students, uh, these protocols say that they have the right to change the assigned name for the felt name in all the school documentation without any medical or psychological evaluation, as they explained. It is, this is international. Um, they have the right to be socialized by their gender identity in all school facilities. And the age to change sex in the school or in the national register is any. Because with 16, they can do it without parental permission. But if you are under 16, you can do it with parental permission or if not, you can have a legal representative assigned. Therefore, parents and teachers, we have two parts, affirmation or transphobia. (coughs) Sorry, if you don't affirm, you can, if you are a parent, you can lose the minor custody, and if you are a teacher, we can be fined up to this big amount, quantity of money. So as teachers, we don't have freedom of thought, or freedom of expression. Nationally, um, there are 44 laws with gender ideology terms inserted. Of course, one was passed last year in education, especially LOMLOE. And this last May, uh, there was another law for childhood protection in which transphobia is not only our opinions, but also our materials. And this goes directly for teachers. not only fines, but we can also be disqualified because of this law. And there is also a draft that was that we could read in June. Uh, and that's why in Spain, all the feminists we went to the streets the 26th June um, to um, demonstrate against the trans law, because in case this if this law uh, is not stopped, we hope it is, Uh, It will validate nationwide uh, all these 44 laws and, of course, the uh, the Educative Regional Protocols. So, DOFENCO. Uh, DOFENCO stands for Docentes, Teachers, Feministas, Feminists, for coeducation, por la coeducación. We were set up last July 2020 as a feminist platform made up only by activist female teachers. Our main aim is to play coeducation back again in the center of the educational agenda. Uh, Let me remind you uh, that that coeducation is a pedagogical tool for boys and girls to receive an education free of sexism and androcentrism. And we are also reacting against violence against women, neoliberal capitalism, and the unexpected agenda of transgender policies in schools. And I am going to focus on this last point. Um, I forgot to tell you, as you can see on the right side, that we have delegates in 10 of the 17 provinces in Spain. If you go in our website, dofenco.org, you can can see and read our blog, who we are, our manifest, communications for the press. But um, our position that is in the manifest says things um, such as nobody is born in the wrong body. If a boy or a girl rejects his or her body, they need a specialized professional help. There is no such thing as male or female brains or that the human species is binary, we are men or women. We are organized into six different commissions, families, students, teachers, research, communication, and representation. And now I'm going to tell you a little bit about each of them. In the Families Commission, we deliver informative talks and leaflets for families and families' school associations. This, for example, is a triptych that we send by email to all the families' associations in Spain, and we can, we, you can also have it in, in paper. Um, also, in the families' uh, commission, we give parent support. Uh, so cases um, similar to the one they uh, recounted um, are like mm, popping in Spain. So we give indivi- we, we meet individually, either online or physically, uh, gender-critical families or families with a kid that has been diagnosed by the school or by someone uh, with sudden dysphoria uh, to try to give as much as information and as support as, as possible. This is our email in case you want to contact us, docentesfencom uh, at gmail.com. We also offer template letters to send to the school so as to fight back uh, transgenderism in the school. Uh, For example, uh, reminding the head teacher the girls' fundamental right to get access to segregated toilets and locker rooms. Also templates to ask for information or to complain about external educative trans workshops or to to ask teachers for the syllabus and reading lists in advance. In the Students' Commission, um, we have made, and we plan to have many more interviews uh, to gender-critical young women, as the one you see there, that is Paula Dapena, a footballer in Spain, that uh, Carmen Luengo, one of our teachers, is interviewing uh, to provide role models to teenagers that are gender-critical and feminist. We also write articles to denounce how transactivism impacts on young girls, as the one you have in our um, Telegram channel uh, about the Olympic Games. And we make a lot of feminism on TikTok, because it's the, the app where all uh, students, teenagers are. Um, in the Teachers' Commission, We assist gender critical teachers who contact us worried about the number of sudden cases uh, of uh, dysphoria, Um, teachers who are afraid to speak in, in the school or wanting to object to transactive workshops, but they don't know how. And we also give informative talks for teachers or for the general public as Alicia Boluda is doing there on Instagram. Um, We also have webinars on co-education to regain its aims because, as you know, it has been kidnapped by transactivism. There you have an image that says everything. So co-education nowadays is no longer between uh, boys and girls, now it's between circles, triangles, squares, you know. And we also have a library in which there are lots of documentaries, uh, feminist talks, And also books for kids, teenagers, also for adults and parents to learn about co-education. And we also give recommendations, and as the ones you see there with green ticks. But also uh, we have, as you can see with the arrow, there are some books that pretend to be feminist, but in fact they are transgender, they they include transgender ideas. So we also uh, write like uh, warnings with, uh, with crosses, red crosses. Uh, for books as this one that says Niñas and Niños. That is the title, Boys and Girls. However, we have seen sentences such as um, Tambien hay niñas con pene y niños con vulva. That is, uh, there are girls with penises and boys with vaginas. So as you can imagine, we don't recommend it at all. In the Communication Commission, we inform, attend, and get the media involved. Uh, So we make lots of interviews. Uh, We say yes to everyone that invites us to talk or do whatever. Uh, We had a press conference last um, February, as you can see down on your left hand, uh, about the impact of the trans law in the schools, and it was a a really big success. We are very proud of it, and it has had lots of views, as you can see, more than 5,000 And we also publish um, articles, gender critical articles, in the few general interest newspapers that allow us to do it. Because if um, most of the society is calling us TERFs, as you can see down below in the center, that is an article that talks about the TERFs brain, Um, the way to get um, our word spread in general interest newspapers is very narrow. and by the, by the way, I can say that in, um, in the academia, in a special educative journal, it is impossible to get published. Um, another commission, the research commission, <coughs> which is sorry, uh, which, is by, uh, which is led by which is led by Silvia Carrasco, that you know her because she has already been here. Um, uh, in this commission, they register trans children cases. Uh, Also, uh, they registered official trans school guides and those of trans activists and teachers' unions, as you can see, those three uh, are teachers' unions along with trans activists, and that is what we see inside the schools, teachers, we we have to learn uh, with those kind of guides. So what we do is to dismantle them with scientific objectivity and then to inform the public about what they say. We also have uh, all our social, all the social media um, available, um, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, um, telegram channel, uh, a in YouTube. And in our web, something we do thanks to our translators and designers is that every time we see something interesting, for example, uh, Abigail Sayer um, gave an interview. On tv and we really like it so we wanted parents to see it and also teachers so what we did was to um, translate all the interview and you can play it and scroll down and read it in spanish and our last commission is the institutional representation commission And there, we try to address and to meet teachers' unions, political parties, women's institutions, the Ministry of Women, and the E is in capital letters because they just decided uh, like three months ago to change the name. And you know that everything that is in plural, uh, it usually has behind the patriarchy. And we also try to meet the regional boards of education and equality. I say that we try because this is one of the hardest parts. Uh, it's difficult to get received by them. Um, on the one hand, we have uh, politicians, as you can see on the left side. Uh, here we have an example of two left uh, politicians uh, calling us directly TERPs, so that you can see how they are addressing TERPs, you know, uh, directly from political parties. In the center, we have The the image uh, of Carmen Calvo that that was supposedly high, figuratively, in Santiago de Compostela in February. And she was made resign. She is no longer in the government. So imagine how hard is trans activism in the streets. So if you want to Google uh, in Barcelona, uh, the 26 June, when all the women, as I told you, we went to the streets to to demonstrate against the trans The trans law. Um, There were anti riot policemen, police officers trying uh, to stop uh, all these uh, people, you know, with the uh, shirts, kill the turf. Uh, They were very, very violent. And the women there, uh, the gender critical feminists demonstrating legally, uh, were said by police to flee. From the square they were because the anti riot police couldn't uh, contain these trans activists. So, uh, with politicians and trans activists in the street, it's getting very, very difficult to, to get our word listened by, admin, by the administration. And finally, uh, the nice part is that uh, in the Representation Commission, we established national relations. Uh, we work with many other feminist Spanish associations in Confluencia del Movimiento Feminista and we also establish international relations Uh, we sign any manifest or letter supporting girls and women's rights such as the women human rights campaign letter obviously and we also work and meet monthly with other educational associations such as partners for ethical care transgender trend or safe school alliance. And that's all. Thank you very much for listening.